This is 15 Minutes of Freedom. I'm your host, Ryan Idell, and today's episode is I Am Not Good Enough. Today I'm going to share with you something that's come into my awareness over the past few days that I just feel compelled to share. So it's really, really interesting from the seat that I sit in. Right, I'm, I'm a big facts guy. Right, I take most clients through some I learned from Garrett J. White at Wake Up Warrior. Right, don't know if he created it or not, but nonetheless, this is where it came to my awareness out of facts, feelings, focus, and then fruit. We talk about it so much in our household that our daughter, Gianna, will rattle it off all the time when we get in our feelings. Right, Because think about it, the majority of us, I know me specifically, potentially even you, we get focused on how we feel about something and then we neglect to go back and really look at the facts. And so the feelings that we have determine where we focus our attention to, which then alters the fruit or the ultimate gift on the backside. We don't, we just don't have that thing. And so when we stop and we can take a step back and say, okay, I'm feeling very hurt. I'm feeling very frustrated. I'm feeling these things. Time out. What are the facts about the situation? What I found over and over again with clients and my own life and inside of our household is that it alters the path of the decisions that you're able to make. Now, this is not to negate the feelings that I have or that you would have. It's to not let the feelings be the emotional driver for the decision that's ultimately what we desire. I share all this because the facts of my life are, so far we've had, I, don't, I would have to pull it up, but let's just say 3.4 to 3.5 million downloads on this podcast. That's a factual statement. A factual statement from last year is this podcast, with your help, has, was one of iTunes' top new podcasts for 2018. They put out a release on it, a whole bunch of stuff. Like, it's factual. It happened. Another fact is the number of client hours I've had so far coaching. Right? If I go back and look inside of Zoom and I count them all up and I see I'm somewhere in the 1,400 to 1,500 range, depending on this week's calls. The facts are I'm a really phenomenal coach. The facts are every client I've ever worked with has had such massive change and transformations that their life as they exit our time together becomes unrecognizable to the person they once were. These are factual. They're facts because I have testimonials and reviews and could hop on the phone with them right now and interview them and they would share that same sentiment. But those never feel like the facts to me. Another fact is I read incessantly. Right, I, I, My wife and daughter laughingly joke, like, oh, another Amazon box, more books for Ryan. Right, I have piles and piles and piles of books, and not because books make me better than something or worse than something, because I am generally curious about the knowledge that is out there and then applying it to what it is that I do for a living. 
I don't remember a week that has passed that I have not read at least two books. All of last year, I made a commitment to read at least one book, so that would be 52. Here we are, the middle of, of April. We'll just call this four months into the year to make it simple. That'd be 16 weeks, so probably another 32 to 40 books so far. And maybe 100 books doesn't sound like much, but to me, it's this phenomenal amount of knowledge that I get to just consistently consume. I also have went through trainings and coaching and accreditations and have all these things that I have done. All these things together are factual. But yet I question in my feelings if I am actually good enough. Am I good enough to take the next big step into what I would call the big boy league of coaching? And I don't even know who else is in this imaginary big boy league. Because I'm not really comparing myself to someone else, but by the nature of the fact that I don't know if I belong somewhere that isn't even identified, it limits my growth. It makes it very uncomfortable. It's like, well, what do I, what do, I do here? Even when a client tells me, like, thank you so much for, for helping me. Like, you've had such an instrumental role in, in what we've done together. I resist that. I push that back. I said, no, 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 no. I, I simply was the one with my hand on your shoulder as we walked through the dark room together, crawling around on the floor searching for your light. Sure, I might have guided you into this room. I might have had my hand on your shoulder so you knew that you were safe, but ultimately you found the flashlight or the candle or whatever lighting device you feel so inclined to mentally imagine. You found it on the floor, even when it was scary. You picked it up, you turned it on, or you lit the match, or you did what you had to do. Then you found the door. The door to that room ends up being, when you open it, that's your new life. And we found that door, and then I pushed you through it. You did it all, I didn't. That's what I say. And I believe that. But what I also believe is the fact that all the books and all the training and all the reps and all the time under tension and all the everything else that I pour into this, like I know inside my soul that, yeah, I actually had a, I had a role to play in this. But I instantly talk myself down as though I played a minor part. I share this because you might be feeling sometimes like you're not enough. You might question why you were doing what you were doing. Might question like I once did, why is my partner, why is my wife still with me? Do I really deserve the things that I have? And that feedback loop, that vicious cycle that we get in of questioning our worth only limits the growth that we're able to experience and the growth that we're able to then experience with others. I made mention I had a lunch meeting earlier this week with an incredible man here in Columbus, Ohio, John Robinson. And John is someone that I have followed on social media for more times than I can count, probably two, two and a half, maybe even three years. I had no idea he lived in Columbus. I had no idea he was 
had ever read anything from Garrett J. White or knew Ryan Mickler or had done any of the things that he had done. I know those now after having a meal with him. A while back, he said, hey, I'd love to get together for, with you for a bite for lunch. I'm looking like, well, sure, but how? I'm in Columbus. No, in my mind, no one is in Columbus. He goes, yeah, I'm over in Westerville. That's a suburb much like the suburb I live in that's about 20 miles from where I'm at. We go back and forth. It falls off the radar. I have to schedule and, and reschedule. There's some things that come up in my life. Then we finally have lunch. We're just getting to know each other. There's nothing. I'm not selling him anything and he's not selling me anything. It's literally just two men getting together to have a bite to eat and just talk. And eventually the container gets opened where he feels comfortable or compelled to share with me some truth about how he views my life. Now, admittedly, I had asked him for some help, right? He's got some hypnotherapy degrees and some advanced psychology studying. So we, we had some very interesting and powerful conversations. But I set up that framework because he comes into this conversation and shares with me, look, like you, you don't really know how to be happy. You, you're still not really getting into your heart that much. You're still not owning how great you really are. And it's based off the fact of being afraid to be a little polarizing because people don't know how to handle that. And he shares that with me somewhat unsolicited, but very, very welcomed. And it is like a dagger right into my stomach. But the type of dagger that when it pierces your skin, it hurts for a moment and then it feels warm and good. Like there's pain associated in the moment of like, how dare he, ow, this hurts into, you know what, he's exactly right. So what do we do about it? And he presents me with some some different things, one of which is what I'm essentially going through right now in this moment understanding and saying and pronouncing backed by facts, I am fucking elite at coaching. What I know about the human body, biohacking, psychology, neuroplasticity, neurolinguistics, marketing, sales, direct response, email campaigns, business automation, relationships, and a plethora of other things are second to none. I have not met someone else yet that is as well-versed across all of those platforms as I am combined. I say that because I care about it more than I care about anything else. The books I read, the courses, right? These all stack up on top of each other that put me in a position to know that I am elite, knowing that I'm not resting on my laurels and still expanding my capacity on a daily basis. That's the first little side note. That conversation was Monday. I have been conscientiously not being 
on my cell phone on the way into the office or the way home, other than to tell my wife I'm on my way. I've been using that time to decompress and to dial back into what makes me who I am, which inevitably has been having me question over and over again, who am I really? I have found that my consistent need to hop on phone calls had still yet been to sedate away from answering my own questions about who am I really and what is my greatness and am I doing this for the right reasons, right? I, I, I was filling those voids with some noise. I know that based off now being in silence for a while. And so I have a conversation on the way home just last evening with my good friend Bryce. Bryce Prescott, you've heard me mention his name many times. He's got two great podcasts, Drop the Mic and The Daily Rule. Both incredible podcasts. I encourage you to listen to him if you're not already. Bryce is an amazing man. But we're talking. We're going back and forth, just general catch-up. It's been five, six, seven days, maybe even longer. And eventually we get to the point of me looking for new office space. We're to the point in our evolution as an organization where it's time to change locations. Somewhat off time saving, somewhat off general location, something off new needs and requirements, something off the fact of I want my own fitness center associated with the office space. I can't really explain why, but it's been something that's called me for so long it, it's just going to bring me joy so I know I want it. But I'm sharing this with Bryce. I said, you know, there's spot number one we're looking at, and it's fifteen hundred bucks a month. And there's spot number two we're looking at, and it's two grand a month. So, oh man, that's nice. Is an upgrade? Is a downgrade? Right? The normal questions you might even be asking right now, like, why? Where? What's the difference? More space? Less space? And I said, look, there's really all bets are off. There's one place that's this very scenic, overlooks a. a, a pretty good sized river and body of water here in Columbus. It jettisons out over, over this body of water. It's a glass office. It's multi-tier. It, it's beautiful. But it's like 3500 bucks a month. So I just, I'm probably just going to get the $1,200 a month one. And he listens, as a good friend would. And he stops and he says, you know, would, would you be open to considering something? I said, well, absolutely. He goes, well, if you're really compelled to get the more expensive one, wouldn't you just then show up and be happier inside that workspace and then probably produce at a level that's higher than the difference in rent? When are you going to give yourself permission to start living the life like you're producing it? Bryce's words, not mine. Which then spins into him saying, look, Ryan, I don't get jealous about many things. He goes, I can't really say that I'm jealous per se. But what I can say is I'm incredibly proud and honored to see just how much you have grown and how rapid the podcast has grown and how incredibly scaled your business has become, how many clients you're helping and serving. He goes, it's nothing short of miraculous. You're doing things that no one else I've ever seen be able to do. His words, not mine. And he's saying this to me as I'm sitting outside of the $2,500 a month space, waiting for the real estate agent to come so I can look at it. And it's hitting me. He's like, look, Ryan, like, 
you want to emulate, you want to be the Tony Robbins, right? That's, that's the gold standard for me. That's the man that I'm chasing. He goes, at what point did Tony Robbins, when he traveled, decide to stay in the $1,000 room versus the $300 room just for the experience? And what does that experience open up inside of you when you realize you can do it? Nothing goes differently in your life. Like I've, because I've had nothing before, because I have truly been completely flat fucking broke, because my truck got repossessed from outside the building I was in front of, because I had an almost a negative bank account balance, because I've experienced this, I just don't spend money on myself, which ultimately comes down to a conversation of lack. And then peel that back even more and it comes back to a conversation of not being good enough and pull that back even more and have it come down to a conversation of what if nobody likes me? What if I can't get another client? What if I went six months and we didn't generate any income at all? Now, those are my feelings. As I pull back to the facts, that could not happen. I've got a waiting list of people that are asking to work with me, which is a blessed place to be in. So much so that I've created a a group training. We're doing all types of different stuff to facilitate more people and to create automatic systems and processes so that value can be added without it just being an hour-by-hour conversation. It's not possible. And even if it is possible, like the spiritual side of me knows there's a lesson that I needed to learn in that moment, so... I should just ride that wave. And he essentially says at the end of the phone call, like, when are you going to realize just how good you really are? Like, man. Shit. And that one just, it was like that, that secondary punch of that same wound that John opened up just four days earlier. Well, if someone that knows me incredibly well is sharing this with me and someone that's watched me from afar but apparently knows me very well is saying this to me, it's probably time I just start owning it. And so I have to start owning it. And I know in owning it, it's a polarizing conversation. For me to say I'm an elite coach is, how could he say that? Right? That's, that's the old version of me. How, how could someone be so egotistical to say that? Well, it's not egotistical. It's factual. I produce it at a ridiculously high level and know more about more things than most people ever will. And I'm nowhere close to learning all the things I'm going to. And I'm never going to stop beating that exact drum because that is who I am. And there's a chance that you too have that same genius in you. And that genius is something you push away, that you just don't talk about, that you downplay yourself, that you don't let anybody know really what you are. I don't care if it's video games. I don't care if it's making craft beer. I don't care if it's growing flowers. You have something that when you look, You are blessed beyond belief and people look at you and say, how did you do that? I could never do that. How did you pull that off? 
it's okay to own that. It's not only okay, if I listen to the men that are close to me, it's expected. If I listen to myself and the way that I coach my clients, it's expected. And so the fact of the conversation in your head or in my head, right? I'm not even going to project this on you. The conversation in my head of I am not good enough. This is all going to break one day. These things aren't going to come to fruition. I'm never going to have everything that I want is all garbage because I 150% will. I know this because John, in a hypnotherapy setting and session, asked me to recall times in my life in which I failed. And I sat there and I scratched my head and and I was projecting these thoughts onto this virtual movie screen, right? My current version is sitting in a chair in a movie theater, seeing his own life on a screen while another version of me is looking down at me in the movie theater from up on the balcony. And I'm seeing this from what is that, the third or fourth perspective, right? All in my mind's eye. And he's instructing me to see when things have went badly on that screen. And the screen is blank. Like the screen has no images. I mismanaged money, which was a failure, which was bad, but it was only a momentary failure because it taught me how to manage money now. And so I won't have to worry about that again. So it, it was nothing. The things that happened in the past of businesses and X, Y, and Z and shortcomings, those weren't failures, those were lessons. But I have let parts of those still ingrained deep enough into my subconscious to determine how good I think I am and how worthy I think I am going forward. Do not allow myself to experience the full abundance that's in front of me every day. And so today... That has to stop. And it must stop here. And it must stop now. And that stops by me signing off on the podcast with a new handle so that I can ingrain into my subconscious and into my operating system what I actually believe myself to be. So I'll end things with, and I'm going to have to figure this out, right? I don't have any notes. This isn't written down. But something along the lines of, this is Ryan Nidell, the elite optimization coach, encouraging you to go out and get shit done.